Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, where we are dedicated to making you a better tech seller, sharing tried and true sales strategies and answering your questions weekly. Hey, hey, Bobby. What's up, Brian? We have uh, listener's choice number 21. This is really more of a book review than anything else. Uh, Bobby, I think it is well documented that I am a Ryan Holiday uh, fanboy. He is an Austin, Texas guy. He's about my age. Um, He's written probably now, I think, eight books. And uh, I've read them all about as quick as they started coming out, starting about five books ago. Uh, And he's a great author, in my mind, he'll be the next Malcolm Gladwell. Uh, I think we'll look back in 20 years and see that he is as impactful as Malcolm Gladwell. So uh, mark that down, Bobby. That's, uh, that's, that's a bad. big, bold yeah. statement, but I, I'm a big, I'm a Michael, I am a Gladwell fanboy. I've read all his books. Well, not the most two recent ones, but I, I read a lot of his stuff, and I'm a big fan of Ryan Holiday as well. I'm, I think yeah. the stuff he writes is very insightful and I think, uh, and if I could say it in kind of one big phrase to me, I think Ryan Holiday is trying to slow the world down a little bit and get us to enjoy what's right in front of us. I agree with you, hundred percent. And and really, that's what the theme of this book is too. I think he encapsulated that message in this book here too. So this is the he, he kind of looks at these last three books that he's written. Actually, I shouldn't say that. It's three books that he wrote. Obstacle is the enemy. Uh, I'm sorry, Obstacle is the Way, Ego is the Enemy, and Stillness is Key. Those are three parts of a trilogy that he's written. Uh, Stillness is Key is the final book of that. In between that, he wrote a couple of other books, but those three books kind of all go together. So if you haven't read any of this and you're a reader, read them in that order. Um, I, I think what I, Bobby, I think what I like most about this trilogy is that I feel like I grew up professionally through this trilogy. So um, Obstacle um, is really all about in life and business and personal relationships, we encounter these challenges. Most of us, myself included, certainly very early on, we are, um, we are, we dodge facing these confrontations for, uh, head on. I'd say for me, uh, to pull the curtain back a little bit, I did not face the challenge at spark out as well as I could have. Um, and then I feel like I got better at it and better at it professionally. And I think reading that book opened my eyes to the confrontation I did not confront head on that did not enable me to be a better person, a better professional, a better friend. Um, so that was a really impactful early book for me. And I, it's one I've read, I think three or four times now. And if, if that's the, probably the best one, um, it certainly was the best one for my time. Yeah. That got a lot of acclaim in, in, in professional sports and it did. Uh, I think more football than others, but I think others as well, where I think coaches started using it to motivate teams and to get teams to understand that it's not going to be an easy road. It's not going to. And you got you got a couple ways to, to confront that and which way are you going to pick is really the question. Uh, ego is the enemy. Um, again, like this felt like it followed my career path a little bit. Once you start to have some success – it's it's being sure that you're not getting caught up in that success and you're you're shedding the ego and you're open to learning. Uh, so that was very timely. Um, and then stillness is key is the final one that was released uh, the beginning of the month. Yeah, actually it was uh, it was October that it was released actually. Uh, so last month that came out. 
um, fantastic. That was probably my second favorite, uh, second favorite, second two obstacle is the way. Um, I, I would say if you've not read any of his stuff, he's very big into stoicism. If you're not familiar with that concept, that was a, um, well, I think the earliest roots are back to the Roman empire. Um, you have these leaders that had, you know, present day billions of dollars worth of money, um, and it was really more of a, a thinking. Marcus Aurelius was kind of the uh, probably the most pronounced uh, studier and writer, and and so there's a lot of good you know books that we'll talk about in one of our upcoming listeners' choice about our favorite books. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go too deep into that. <clears throat> so I, I I am into Stoicism as well. I do enjoy it. I'm also a Christian, so I I don't see Stoicism as a um, necessarily incongruent to that. But I would I, I would say he probably uh, his life is kind of based off stoicism to where mine isn't necessarily, but I can certainly appreciate the concepts. Uh, I just, when I read these books on stoicism, I read it in a little bit different light. I think there's, uh, for, for those of you that are Christians, you probably see stoicism, a lot of it mimicking some of the new Testament as well. So, um, I think it's worth probably pointing that out that I don't, uh, I don't pray to stoicism. <laughs> good, good point. Um, the theme of this book, Bobby, is that we are overfed and undernourished overstimulated, overscheduled, and lonely. And I think uh, those of you that are in tech sales uh, can identify with this statement. It is a busy, really difficult job. Uh, even if you're not in tech sales, you're probably in a career. If, if you're listening to this podcast, you're, you don't want to be average and you're in a career that you want to be motivated, you want to work hard, you want to achieve. And that leads to some, some downsides and some stress and some challenges. And I think this book does a really good job of giving you some practical steps of how to address that. And I, I think he does it in a really good way of, of not, um, I, I think what some books do is they'll praise like a Michael Jordan and they'll say, Oh yeah, what Michael Jordan so well is that he was so focused and so determined and he put everything into it, but they fail to mention some of Michael Jordan's really big weaknesses, including his hall of fame, which we'll get into. So he does a very good job of being objective about the characters in the book and about uh, you know former presidents and about where they succeeded and where they failed, um, and and what helped them to be so successful um, without saying they're perfect. I guess is the best way to put it. Well, I, we've I know we've mentioned this before, but don't, don't we see on Facebook everyone's perfect life? I mean, we don't mm-hmm. we don't see and we don't post. Uh, I had an argument with my wife last night. I don't, I don't, I don't articulate that and write her dissertation and ask everybody to share that because that's not the world we want to live in. And I think to that point, and some of what you were saying is really we've we've created this world uh, of connectivity of devices of go 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 for ourselves. Uh, I know that we've uh, right, wrong, or indifferent passed that down to our kids already. Where they both have phones, they're they're addicted to those phones. Their schedules are back to back to back to back from school to sports to extracurricular activities in school and other things. That it's just it truly is twenty four seven. And when they slow down for the least little bit, they can't stand it, so they got to pick up their phone and engage with their friends in a haphazard way. I. I I pick on my son. I don't even think he's talked to his girlfriend like ever. I think they just Snapchat, <laughs> you know, I, and I'm sure that there's some adult relationships that are very similar 
which does create that level of loneliness. Uh, and the book was very impactful to me. Uh, I've, I've read all of those books you've mentioned. I think Ryan Holiday uh, speaks to tech sellers. He's been in tech and around tech uh, his, his whole life as well. And many of his co-workers, peers, and friends are, are in tech as well in Silicon Valley. And there's been this movement uh, with him and Tim Ferriss where they've left Silicon Valley, they've left the Bay Area, and they've moved to Austin slash Bastrop. And those are, while still big big city, Bastrop's really in the middle of nowhere between uh, Austin and Houston. And they're trying to gain some of that slowness or stillness, as he mentions in this book, to try and put life in perspective. You know, we only get one of these. Uh, and none of us are going to do it perfect, but we got to do the best we can. Yeah, that's a, that's a great summary. The, um, I think I took pride in being a multitasker. Um, so um, whether it's the quantity of part podcasts that I listen to, the number of books that I read, the, the music and the indie music and whatever else, like I, there was part of me that kind of took a little bit of pride in being able to do all of that stuff. And I think what it, what it was doing to me, I'll, I'll, I'll explain at the end of it, we'll kind of summarize the book a bit, and then I'll talk about the changes that I've personally made that have been impactful for me over the past three weeks since reading the book. Um, and I, I've kind of taken a bit of a, a communication cleanse, and I don't think I'm going back. I've really worked hard and set some hard, fast principles on what I will allow myself to do and not allow myself to do. And it's allowed me to have some quiet time, which was clearly the point of the book, to have some quiet time to think and that has in turn reduced some stress in my life. Um, not that the life was overly stressed or anything, but it has allowed some quiet spots in my life. And it that was unique. I, if I wasn't doing a podcast or working, then I had my AirPods in and I was listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. right? Or I was listening to music and, and then I would travel probably down to Austin or Houston to go down to the territory and I've got podcast going and then okay I'm sick of the podcast uh okay I'm gonna listen to some music and then you know and then I'd come home exhausted and uh anyhow it it, it's been pretty impactful for me from that standpoint as well yeah and don't you think like uh there's a bunch of people that I know in my in my network in my in my close friend group and stuff that I I think after reading the book I think I knew they were kind of hypersensitive to little activities and things but after reading the book I watch them and I'm like do they ever take a breath do they ever slow down uh, and I know I don't I'm not a, I'm not hypocritically saying I'm I'm this guy who meditates six times a day and is, is good at this but they answer a phone like in mid conversation you'll be talking to these people and they pick up the phone and and take it and then they never come back like we were having a converse we were doing something and you've taken a phone call and you've you, that's all gone um, or no matter what happens, they, they get interrupted and move on. And they, they do that the 14, 16 hours a day that they're awake. And it's, I think it's what the book's reflecting on is we're all in that mindset. Many, many big leaders, you know, have gotten to a point where they don't even sleep. You know, they, they, they can only get a quick nap in here and there and they're, they're running themselves into the ground. And for what, like, what's the greater gain there for all of us? Well, that leads to the first part of that that I snipped out of the book that I'll read real quick because uh, I think if you're on the fence about reading this book, maybe this will lead the way. We've got a few points like that um, that we'll jump into, and it's 
The first point is we do not live in this moment. We desperately try to get out of it. Thinking, doing, talking, worrying, remembering, hoping, whatever. We pay thousands of dollars to have a device in our pocket to ensure we are never bored. We sign up for endless activities and obligations, chase money and accomplishments, all with the naive belief that in the end it will lead to happiness. Uh, which is so true. It's like, uh, you can certainly say winning this next deal is going to, man, if we can win this next deal, like, that's going to be it. Yeah. And how many times, Bobby, have you won a deal that was like the deal only to like not even go out to dinner to celebrate? Yeah. Well, you got to start working on the next deal, Brian. <laughs> got to start working on the next one. And and so it does reinforce, it reinforce to me anyway that like, man, this is also very temporary. And uh, what, what exactly are we doing here? Talks about uh, so much of the distress we we feel comes from reacting instinctually instead of conscious deliberation. So uh, your job uh, after you empty your mind is to slow down and think on a regular basis. What's important to you? What's actually going on? What may be hidden from view? What does the rest of the chessboard look like? And what is the meaning of life? Which is pretty existential and uh, and huge, but. Um, I, you know, I, the way I read this book is I read it probably over four days, and I did it up in chunks and chapters. Uh, because we, we were talking about this book actually before, and, and some of these core principles, especially around Stoicism, aren't brand new. Holiday's been talking about some of this stuff for years and years and years. And he's pulled a lot of it out of Marcus Aurelius's meditations and some of Seneca's writings, too. Um, so he is regurgitating some of the same stuff but he put it he puts it in a slightly different context uh, around this book I thought no doubt and you know I, I think for me it was five years ago Tammy being diagnosed with cancer and the the kick in the gut that that makes you recognize and realize what life's doing to you but then still just had a plan reverted from that plan and kind of got back into tech and did a lot of other stuff but I think we've both had uh, personal and life experiences where we 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 see what immortal or what mortality really means to us, mm-hmm. and that it it is real, and maybe has given us pause and reason to reflect on some of this stuff. But the world the world happens, life happens, right? Um, and it really has taken, I guess, my career change, my path with work to say. You know, I'm really going to focus on family and doing what I want to do because I'm only going to be 46 for a little bit longer and that, that year will be gone and never given back. So uh, whether it's midlife crises or not, I think I think life and time and kids growing up, daughter going to college, that it's just kind of made me think, man, what am I doing if I'm not doing this with my family and my friends and the people that I really care about and not the people that are just frustrating the hell out of me? Mm-hmm. Um, boy, that lines up really well with, um, I can't remember which book he wrote it in, but he said, if, um, if, uh, you can't say no, uh, then you're a slave. Yep. Yeah. And I think he reiterated (laughs) that in this book. I think, um, think about that people, if you're in the car or in the train, if you're going to work and you can't say no, then, then yeah, you are a slave. And I think it's not if you can't say no, cause you got to make money and put food on the table for your family, but if you're not in control of your schedule past the 40-hour work week, then that that should give you pause for sure. Yeah, it doesn't mean that you can retire. That doesn't that's not the point. The point of it is if you're so dependent on a quarter million dollar salary a year and there's only one place to get that salary from, 
then if you're told to do X, Y, or Z, or to, to lie about a product's capability or whatever else, and you're not feeling great about it, uh, then you are a slave to that company, and it's time to reassess. Fortunately, we're in this uh, the land of milk and honey when it comes to tech and sales and everything else, and um, there are other there are other companies out there. There are other opportunities out there. Um, not all are as lucrative as the industry that we're in, of course, but there are competitors out there. Uh, so that, that was a pretty profound thing, although he didn't fully express that in this book. It it has uh, it lines up to it. Well, you you are a uh, Ryan Holiday boy, and I have to say, I, for, even before I worked there, I was kind of a Bill Gates boy. I followed and watched and read a lot of his stuff, and then I went to work for Microsoft and got to be in and around him a couple times. Um, and I, the book talks about his Think Week, and I just recently watched his documentary on Netflix, which was it's a really good three-part series on Bill Gates now, not then, but now. I'd love for them to do a historical like autobiography of him to, to date. But, uh, you know, retired at the age of 50 from really the biggest job in the world, probably one of the biggest jobs in the world, making room to make Microsoft even better. Like he had the vision and foresight to see that his thank weeks to a year for the last 60 years is just mind blowing to me because I, even now, and I don't run Microsoft, I can't imagine going away for a week and living in a cabin alone and thinking through my own thoughts. Um, I scare myself as I think of that, but you know, wow, how powerful would that be? Even just a day, like, and I do lately take a day, uh, away from the flight school, away from this. And I try and get my thoughts together and I do work on this and that, but I try to almost get myself back together again, uh, midweek, which my schedule affords me that might not everybody can, but it, it, Bill Gates, that whole week, imagine the products and the ideas and the thoughts that have come from that, both good and bad. Some failed, and he moved on from them. But the work he's doing now with his foundation and, and like, eradicated polio for the most part. Like, it's gone, and Mm -hmm. he did that. And he didn't do that because he thought of it and wrote it on a napkin. Like, they've built these toilets now that don't need water. And they like cleanse themselves. Like there, it's the the documentary is really good, but those kinds of thoughts and debates only come from that stillness. Yeah, and it's called uh, Inside Bill's Brain. Yes, is that right? that's correct. Yes, I've seen the first uh, two episodes of it. It is fantastic. I, I agree. I'd love to see a uh, biography to going back. I, I think the documentary does a good job of kind of showing some old footage or telling his backstory for like the first 10 minutes and then it kind of gets into the core subject, yep. but it's, it's so good. Yeah. It's a great one that you, everyone should check out. And it does remind you where, where does the, if I think the biggest aha for me was that, okay, this could take, taking at a bigger extreme in my life, this could make an impact was I was thinking randomly, where did my, where did my, I don't want to say best ideas, but where, where did my best ideas come from? Where was I when those occurred? And it was two places. And that was, one was at church. The second was at conferences. And the reason that, at, at least what I hypothesize anyway, is the reason those two areas generated the best ideas is because it was still and quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't have AirPods in, and I didn't have a book in front of me, and I didn't have my computer open. And I was forced to sit and have some stillness. And I have found that, and I'll get into it in a moment, kind of what I took away from it. I've found that's been, uh, that, that is that hypothesis is, is, is found true for me. Well, that's a good challenge for the listeners, right? 
uh, do what Brian did. Take take five minutes, take the AirPods out, and reflect on where where does your best thinking happen? Where do your best ideas come from? We've always heard the shower and, and these other places. For me, it's kind of the monotony of driving. Whether I'm listening to a book or not, my brain's still cycling. And I probably make Surrey reminders more often when I'm driving to to do to do things that I've thought of. Um, yeah. It, it is true. It is when it's quiet, for sure. So let's talk yeah. about some of the, the, I guess, the bad or, or the story of the leaders that, that maybe don't slow down. Yeah, so I would say uh, the story of Enough uh, was a really powerful um, one that I read and uh, that I took away from the book. And it was um, this author was in a party and um, his friend was talking to him. They were at a party at a billionaire's house and I think it was in New York or something. And they um, and his friend said to the author, hey, how um, how weird is it to you that this guy makes an interest in one day? Uh, more money than you've made on every, any book you've ever sold. And this is a best-selling author. And the guy says, yeah, yeah, that is that is very true. Uh, however, the one thing that he, um, uh, the one thing that I have that he doesn't have is enough. And I thought that was a really powerful assessment too. It's like um, we all press for more and for more and for more. Not we all. Some people have this down really well. I don't necessarily have this down really well. We all kind of push for more and more and more and, and what I think what we've all learned is that just like that next deal, it, there is never enough. Um, but that author has found some level of peace. And, and while he still has a drive and still writes best-selling books, that clearly shows that he has motivation. He's not sitting on the couch all day, but he's also not um, chasing something that is uh, only achieved by, I think, over 600 billionaires in the in the United States, he's not chasing that. Yeah, and enough is a good one, and, and I want to talk about the Tiger story in just a second because I'm a fanboy of yep. Tiger as well. But you know, I think that that's kind of what happened to me over the last year was trying to decide when will enough be enough because that's got to be when the light switch gets changed. Um, many uh, many of my close friends and hope maybe some of the listeners know I was a police officer back in the late '90s. And, you know, as a police officer, I made $30,000 a year, worked a ton of extra jobs, still had the drive I have today. My wife was a school teacher. Our, our gross household income was probably $60,000 a year. And uh, with inflation, that still probably wouldn't even be six figures today. And we were happy. We had a lot of good stuff. We were thrilled most, most weekends and had our time and space. And it was, we were in a great place. And I have made enough money in tech sales to be a police officer and retire probably 10 times over. And I, I reflect on that and go, golly, I would have killed myself and, and worked hard as a police officer, retired, and been just as happy and never known the difference had I not known tech sales. But um, I never, you know, when I made the first one, I didn't retire. When I made the fifth one, I, you know, the fifth lifetime income earnings of a police officer, I still didn't quit. And it's because we... We spend what we make, and we we want more and more and more, and there's never enough. And I, the the story about Tiger and his dad was that from the book Stillness was that they're, they they worked hard together. And I, as my son's a golfer, I I reflected on this a lot. 
you know, Tiger's dad threw teas at him, swore at him, cussed at him, yelled in his backswing, did everything he could to make him mentally tough. That was the that was the reasoning supposedly behind it. That was the excuse for treating Tiger the way he did. And there's no doubt that it made Tiger a great golfer. But what other did it do to Tiger? And, and we we know of his escapades and and last few years of indiscretions. But um. They actually had a safe word on the golf course, and that safe word just so happened to be enough. And uh, they didn't ever use the word, which just blows my mind. They never really used the word. They they actually talked about it as a swear word, and they called it the E-word. And they never, ever once used the word enough because there was such a negative connotation with it, right, that that, that you're you're never going to be – you're going to be weak if you tell me you've had too much and that I've given you enough was kind of Earl Woods's. Uh, position on that to tiger and um while he has everything in the world i can i can assure you he would probably trade places with a lot of us on this podcast right now just to be able to go out and hang out in public and not be just brutally attacked by people uh, both publicly for pictures and comments and stuff but the the negativity around him as well Here's the summary from that section. It says, Most people will never learn that their accomplishments will ultimately fail to provide them the relief and happiness we tell ourselves they will. Or they welcome to understand this after so much time and money, so many relationships and moments of inner peace were sacrificed at the altar of achievement, which is 100% the Tiger Woods story there. No doubt. The curse is also a virtue. No one achieves excellence excellence without a desire to get better, yet this can be at odds with happiness. Again, goes back to the Tiger story. There is no stillness for the person who cannot appreciate things as they are, particularly when that person has objectively done so much. Best summarized, and this is the Taoistic view of it, when you realize that nothing is lacking, the whole world belongs to you. Yeah, That was a great summary of the book. It was uh, also highlighted the Marco Rubio story. Mm, sad one. Very sad one. So, um, son, he was in the Senate bid. Son snuck out, fell in the pool. Uh, yeah, he ended up shutting down his political career, didn't he? I don't know that he's. I think he's kind of on the path of kind of getting out of politics, probably in the private industry at this point. I think he's still somewhat involved, but certainly didn't have the monster aspirations um, that he seemed to three years ago. Now, who knows with the campaign coming up next year, he may pop a setup again. Um, he talks a lot about social media. Um, that's an obvious one. Uh, and the trivial problems that, that lord over your life. We talked about that when we talked about letting the tiger into the den. Um, but basically the opposite of peace happens when you simply sit around and watch the news. Um, instead of thinking and listening, you're reacting to what's happening and you're getting absorbed into this uh, news that is now 24-7 and I think ultimately fooling yourself into thinking that what you're watching on CV and my, I put myself in this bucket too, so I'm not, I'm not judging here, but you, you kind of get absorbed into this, uh, this news cycle and, and don't realize that this is all entertainment, that this isn't real, that these are not, not that situations aren't really occurring internationally and everything else, but it's, it's intended to draw you in and to create, an emotional response to you so that you continue to watch it, watch their advertisements. And I think everyone listening gets that, but I think I can certainly fool myself into thinking that, that sometimes I'm watching reality and, and, and it's not, no, it's not, it's complete. You know, they're all actors to be honest. I mean, um, yeah. 
and, and it is it is something that drives me insane because I, as an old public official or person in the public with as a police officer, I, I saw really the the crime scene and then how the news reported it, and it never was accurate. And you you don't see just how far off things are, and it it is it is not real. And uh, I I try to limit my news intake at all, especially local news. You you would think Houston was burning to the ground if you watched anything on the local news right now. Uh, since decide decide what to I, we've done a, a listener's choice on this I swear it was probably six months ago uh, decide what to ignore and what to not think about I think it's what when we did the uh, listener's choice on on saying no uh, but give yourself enough time to think about your life limit the number of people who have access to you and also the number of possessions in your life this will give you the needed space to do what you want with your life. But that was another great quote from the book. And it's so true. Like, uh, I think we can all think to those friendships that people that we love and we care about, but they draw energy from us. And, and sometimes that's necessary. Sometimes we're helping them through a challenging situation and that's the right and the prudent thing to do to help support them. Other times you're just feeding a, an ego on their side. That is not, there is no interest on their side of improving and contributing to the relationship, the friendship and taking a step back and assessing that, uh, I think is pretty critical. Although it can feel sometimes, um, it can be really difficult to do. Well, he doesn't doesn't necessarily call it out in this book, but he's done it in other things, and he did it in a recent um, blog post slash email that he sent out about tell me the five people you hang out with, and I'll tell you who you are. And I, I think that's very real. That 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 it that's one of the things I have taken away uh, from him in the last couple of years is. Really, I have fired some friends. I have promoted some others that weren't, you know, as active in my life um, to try and make to try and help hang out with people that are going to make me a better person, right? And um, it is, I have a feeling something we could all look at and reflect on if if we're not with the if the five people around us aren't aren't better than us, kind of thing. Yeah. All right. So. What I, what I took away from this, um, like the the tactical actions that I've took, taken away from this, um, for better or for worse, I'm not saying these are, certainly not saying these are right for everybody, but this is what I've done. And I, um, I'm on uh, I'm on day uh, 23 uh, presently from this, um, is in the morning, uh, no phone. So I, I used to wake up straight away, check my email, open Twitter, um I'd get right into it, which has got to be so terrible for the brain. Um, what I do now is I'll move. I do sleep with my phone next to me, uh, but I put it on, uh, and I've always done this. I've put it on the do not disturb mode so I don't, so it doesn't buzz and wake me up. But I'll go drop my phone off in my office in the morning, and then uh, I do a devotion in the morning, and then I'll, I'll read a chapter of whatever book that I'm into at the time. Right now I'm reading, and we're going to do a podcast on this coming up. Right now, I'm reading uh, Bitcoin Billionaires. It's a, it's an awesome book uh, for those that are into cryptocurrency and kind of uh, the uh, Silicon Valley world. Uh, so I'm, I'm reading. I'll do my devotion, and then I'll read a chapter from that book um, every morning. Period. Uh, no matter what. Uh, during the day, I used to, as I expressed before, I, like I would literally wake up and I'd have a podcast going like right away, um, or music going or something. Uh, I only now listen to podcasts and music when I'm working out or on the weekends when I've got some downtime. So my my weeks are for thinking and executing. Uh, my, my weekends are for more recovering and relaxing. 
So that's what I'm doing uh, during the day. Uh, I travel often. Uh, I Like I said before, I used to have podcasts. Like I'd get in my car and I'd have a podcast going or music going straight. I'd be I, If I'm in an Uber, I'd have my AirPods in. I'd be listening to music. I'd be in the airplane. I'd switch to my Bose headphones to where I'm blocking out all the noise. And I'd have music going or a podcast going. And I, I used to come home dead. It, and really it was like maybe there'd be two meetings on a Tuesday, right? Like that's not overly burdensome. And I wondered why I was so exhausted coming back from these trips. And it was because I was, I was always plugged into some sort of audio source. And I, it's, it's crazy to think about now, like how, how draining that was to me. The the thing of what that's doing to your brain, you're not just, especially the way you're chasing indie music and other things, you're always thinking and listening and deciphering the words and the content of just music that, that should be more numbing. Or we're both trying to take in new new stuff uh, on podcasts, uh, whether it be more social story type things or whether it be teaching and learning type things. Um, those those all those things, like we've mentioned earlier on the news, they are truly intended to addict you so that they can get paid for commercial time. That's that's all it is. It's not it's not good stuff. Yeah. Yep. So I was never I was never fresh. I'd come home beaten, exhausted, tired. And I, I have now taken two trips since I've started this. I have come home uh, rested. When I drive in my car now, it's very strange. It's quiet. I can hear the wheels on the road. Um, it's a very strange, very strange thing, uh, but I found it to be very refreshing. I hope I can hold true to that. Um, it's, it's certainly my desire to hold true to that. Um, I, I used to get a lot of my news through uh, local channels in the evening. I still do like watching the local news at night, but that used to be kind of that and Twitter um, linking to articles used to be my source of getting news. I've subscribed to two um, and they're, they're so dirt cheap now because they're all struggling in this media business. So I subscribe to the Washington post and the New York times. I do recognize that these are slanted towards the political views that I tend to hold. Um, but Instead of the the real time nature of Twitter and like stories breaking that are partially true and you know some truth to them, some uh, false to it, uh, trying to get the story out first, no matter how accurate it is or isn't, um, I've found that if I can consume the news like once a day or every couple of days, it's better for me, and I can read a more complete story about a better, well written story, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, versus the, oh man, I, I'm, I've got a break here. Why don't I check Twitter to see what the latest news is? Yeah. I think that that's, you know, into this one, we've talked about it recently as well, but I've, I've turned off all alerts on my phone for the most mm, part. I have to, no, I have to no email dings, no buzzing, no nothing. Um, the people that I know that like play golf with me and they hit a golf shot and they get in the golf cart. And the first thing they do is they pick up their phone and they're reading emails they're driving down the golf course that kind of says who we've all become. That's not what golf was intended to be. It was intended to be the stillness point in our life. And I just hate to see these people that are that, that tied around responding to a boss, responding to a friend or whatever. It's not, it, it's not going to hurt anybody to wait a few minutes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I think the, uh, same, I, the only alerts I have are for voicemails. Um, I've turned it off for email. I've turned it off for Slack. I've turned it off. I have it on for text messages. Um, 
mostly social like for those, me and then then the 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 passive communicators you know like email or whatever mm-hmm. there's no pop-ups i still have the red dot on that but no red dot on facebook and that has changed my life i mean i think that they're intended to get you to see who's liked and done something with your posts and as social with my business at the flight schools continues to grow it was addictive to see how many people i was engaging with every time a picture went up so uh it's yeah. not hurt me to not look at that except on a weekly basis sure well that's what we've got um i hope you enjoy the book uh, we'll have a link to it uh in the show notes um if, if you have a book to recommend to us, we love that. Uh, I, I had a book recommended to me called Prediction Machines. It's sitting right next to me. Uh, so as soon as I finish Bitcoin Billionaires, Prediction Machines will be in the queue. too. So uh, we love recommendations. This one was a recommendation from a listener. So uh, shoot them our way. We'd love to, to uh, review it as well. As always, don't be average. Average is the enemy. Average sucks. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show. Subscribe to our email list at www.techsaleshow.com and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Tech Sales Show. Until next week, average is the enemy.